is Monique. And this is Landon. And we're actually speaking to you from a beautiful cottage from one of our colleagues here in uh, Quebec, in the Laurentians. And we are doing our podcast from here. I think we're in the Laurentian Mountains. No, I think it's a hill. They keep telling me it's a mountain, but I'm pretty sure it's a hill. I think it's called the Laurentian Mountains. Really? We wouldn't want to offend anyone. <laughs> okay, then. We will call it a mountain. But we went for a walk today, and we went to the top of the mountain in four minutes. That's right. Just so, saying. Just saying. So a lot of people ask us where we get the inspiration for our podcasts. And so we often, you know, are talking because we're kind of nerds and talking about different topics or listening to the news or reading different articles, or sometimes it's just things that we don't know very much about. And in April 2015, um, the McLean's Magazine published an article, actually it was the front of their um, newspaper that was titled, Could Canada Cause Multiple Sclerosis? And that was really very quite uh, shocking. And in fact, the MS Society of Canada has branded MS Canada's disease. And that's based on data that we are home to the world's highest incidence of MS. Hmm. There are 100,000 people living with MS in Canada currently. That is 28% more than the second highest number of cases in Denmark and nine times higher than the global average. The MS Society of Canada says the rate of MS in this country could be as high as 250 people per 100,000 people. And women are more than twice as lucky, lucky, oh, likely to get MS than men. Among those born in the 1930s, about two women contracted MS for every one man. For those born, born in the 1980s, the incidence has grown to exceed 3.2 cases for every one case among men. So it's growing. The that's, numbers are growing. That's very interesting. Mm. So why does Canada have the highest rate of MS in the world? And the answers really aren't known. Yeah. Um, they still need to be discovered. But some of the experts think we have this perfect storm for MS, a combination of genetics, environment, uh, modifiable risk factors, vitamin D, consumption, obesity, smoking, viruses. And the interesting thing is, even if you immigrate to Canada, you're now in that group that has a higher incidence of MS. So it's, That's kind of shocking, isn't it? So it's it? not like yeah. it's something that over the 20,000 years, those people who you know, we're originally here, mm -hmm. have this genetic predisposition to it. MS rates are higher in northern latitudes generally. Uh, the incidence among the provinces varies. There's a high of about 340 cases per 100,000 people in the prairies to a low of 180 per 100,000 uh, population in Quebec. And uh, globally, people who live closest to the equator have the lowest incidence of MS. But it doesn't explain why the disease, it's actually nearly absent among the Inuit up in the high Arctic and among the indigenous people of North America and Australia, uh, or why it is rarely found in Japan. Yeah, it's kind of strange, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. There is speculation that MS is generally more prevalent in colder climates, far north of the equator and far south of the equator. Could be due to vitamin D deficiency uh, because we create that in response to sunlight and well we just don't get as much of it and mm -hmm. definitely here at minus 22 on a cloudy day <laughs> yes in the Laurentian Hills Mountains yes there's no sun mm -hmm. and so that may be it but again it's a lot of this is just theoretical exactly just looking at the numbers and trying to figure out why uh, genetics do play a role if an identical twin has MS the other twin has a 20 to 40 percent chance of getting it and siblings have a three to five percentage chance if a brother or sister has it um, some research has actually shown that people who develop MS have antibodies to the Epstein-Barr virus exposure, which means that you've been exposed to the virus, not that you've had it, but you've been exposed to it. 
And the risk of developing MS is much higher in people who've been ill with Epstein-Barr virus. Because of the rising incidence of MS among women, and because it seems to have started in the 1960s amongst women, many others have speculated that the cause might be connected to higher levels of the hormone estrogen due to the introduction of birth control pills. Hmm. Well, at the moment, most of the treatment for MS is, is symptom management, uh, trying to modify the disease a bit. However, in 2013, there's, since 2013, there's been a bit of a controversy around a new treatment for MS. Based on a, a small 2009 study done by a Dr. Paolo Zamboni, uh, he's an Italian Venus specialist whose wife happens to have MS. And he thought that MS was caused by, uh, one of the causes might be chronic cerebrospinal venous insufficiency, insufficiency <laughs> or CCSVI, much easier. Yeah. Which is an abnormality in blood drainage from the brain and spinal cord, which may contribute to the nervous system damage in people with this disease. So he did a small 65-person study where he used ultrasound to complete, compare the blood vessels of people with and without MS, and he found abnormal blood flow in 100% of the people with MS, but in 0% of the people without MS. Seems a bit kind of unexpected. Ex- a bit extraordinary. extraordinary. There's yeah. quite these extreme things. So, yeah. And it was a small group, 65 people. Yeah. Um, but the question was raised, well, does this really exist? So his yeah. findings obviously sound impressive. Other research have tried to copy his research, and they have not gotten the same results. Okay. So some studies have found that, that this CCSVI is more common in people with MS than in healthy people, but not nearly the extremes that Dr. Zamboni found. Other studies have found that it's almost exactly the same in healthy people as a result of, or sorry, as in people with MS. Mm-hmm. And some some research have also found this CCSVI in people with other nervous system conditions. So it, it just sort of raises questions about whether this is a real condition or just an anomaly found in various people, um, and how and whether it relates to MS. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, it, it, it's an interesting thing, mm-hmm. but. Uh, I think more research is actually ongoing. It is, actually. And here in Canada, there is a neurologist named Dr. Anthony Trabolsky, who's an associate professor of neurology at UBC. And he's the director of the MS clinic at the UBC Hospital um, of Vancouver Coastal Health. He and a bunch of MS doctors and researchers uh, recently conducted a scientific study to test the validity of controversial treatment CSSVI. And this local study was actually the first of its kind in the world to test Samboni's theory. And his team, um, in collaboration with the University of Saskatchewan, discovered that venous narrowing is, in fact, not unique to people with MS, leaving the question surrounding the connection between venous narrowing and MS kind of unknown. And that study that effectively debunked Samboni's theory was published in the UK medical journal called The Lancet. In the Lancet study, um, they found CCSV was a rare phenomenon. Out of 177 MS patients, unaffected siblings, and healthy volunteers, only one in each group was found to have CCSV as defined by Zamboni. So Zamboni and, and some other researchers have studied whether actually whether or not the CCSVI is the cause. Yeah. Actually treating it yeah, anyway crazy, by opening up blocked up veins. And so there's a, an endovascular procedure where you can go in and basically stent the insides of these veins. Um, it's called, they call it liberation therapy or a liberation procedure. And it's kind of like an angioplasty. You go in, stent the vein, and it allows, it restores blood flow, 
out of the brain and spinal cord. Right. Uh, of course, it's the venous system. Mm-hmm. So when Zamboni studied the surgery in a group of MS patients, he found it did reduce the relapses and the number of new brain lesions in people with MS. Other studies have not found the same improvement. Some people who've had MS and have had this procedure claim they felt better afterward. A, a controversy about whether it was due to their high expectations about the outcome and, and mm-hmm. whether it was the procedure itself. Interesting, the CBC, or the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, our, our public broadcaster in, in Canada, named this procedure one of the top six news stories of 2013. And the, the controversy here really is that Zamboni's hypothesis contradicts the accepted theory of what causes MS, that it is an autoimmune condition in which the body attacks itself, destroying the myelin sheath. And so there, there have been you know, people demanding that this procedure be made available, fast-tracked for them. And again, just the uh, controversy is still out there. Exactly. So Zamboni not only just said that CCSVI um, caused MS, he actually said that we should do surgery. And so even though Dr. Trabolsky's researchers have debunked the fact that CCSV is prevalent in MS, there has been a federally supported clinical trial looking at this so-called liberation therapy, and he's going to go ahead with it. And this cross-country study will enroll about 100 MS patients who have evidence of narrowed veins to receive either the venoplasty treatment, which you've described, or some kind of a sham treatment. Neither patient nor the doctors who assess them will know which treatment they received. And research will follow these patients for two years to assess whether they experience sustained improvement in symptoms. And then MRI brain imaging shows them any evidence of a reduction or halt in the progression of these lesions. Now, Trabolsky said that it is critical that researchers determine whether many of the MS patients who have sought this treatment, so there are people who have actually left this country to go to the States or to Europe to actually get this therapy. And he wants to ensure that what they're actually telling us, that they have improvement, is actually true or not, because they deserve that, right? People don't want to discount this as a placebo effect. It's kind of con condescending to say that these people who go and get these treatments say they're better, um, we're saying, oh, no, that's just a placebo. So he really thinks that it's a bit patronizing to do that. So he wants to go ahead and do that study. The trial started in 2012, and it's expected to end at at the end of 2015, so last year. The trial trial is actually called national, although only patients from BC, Quebec, and possibly Manitoba will be participating. The trials are going to start in Vancouver and Montreal, and then in Winnipeg and Quebec City down the road. Only patients from the provinces involved will be allowed to participate, as it does include surgical intervention and a lot of frequent follow-up visits. Um, And as I said, we're still kind of waiting for the results of this study. Excellent. So... You know, that was a lot of theory yeah, and research lots. about MS. And, and the reality is we don't typically see these people much in emergency departments. No. But we kind of thought, well, it's something that people say they have. And a lot of times we just do the head nod and and write it on a piece of paper. And, and we don't know the ins and outs of it. They can, however, actually present to an emergency department within a relapse of these MS symptoms. So it, right. it kind of waxes and wanes as a neurological condition. Um, in, in the end stages, becoming much more of a chronic thing. But... They can have these attacks or exacerbations that come in. Again, inflammation of a specific area of the central nervous system 
And the general treatment regimen at this point is steroids to suppress the inflammation. Used over short-term, steroids are considered to be safe by most practitioners to treat Mm -hmm. an MS relapse. The side effects, it's steroids. So much like you know everything about steroids and everyone else, those are the side effects. And so longer term, there's much more implications of using it. And it's probably really important if you know that your MS patients are on steroids, that they are immunocompromised. So if they're coming in with something else and they are, you know, in the middle of a relapse, Lapse and they're on steroids, we need to kind of remember that they are immunocompromised. Oh, that's a that. great point. Yeah. Great point. Um, so there's a great new website called endms.ca, which is a Canadian-based website. Uh, looks at ways that uh, we can be involved in MS research and assist with re- um, research, helping patients, right. that sort of thing. Yeah. Now, interestingly enough, I was at work a couple of, uh, about six months ago, and a patient came in and you know, doing the typical triage thing. And let's be honest, a lot of times people say medical conditions they have, and we do the smile, nod, and write down how we think it's best spelled. And we might go look it up later. And and so she, I was asking her medical history. She was not here related to this. And she said, I have neuromyelitis optica, which I did the polite smile and started to write it down. She probably could see I was not spelling it right. And she looked at me and quite honestly went, you have no idea what I'm talking about, do you? (laughs) Yeah, probably. Now, me being quite a transparent person, I looked at her and I went, I have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. Yes, I'm glad you can tell. So this is a, it's a condition that is similar to MS, Mm -hmm. but it is not MS. It is diagnosed differently. It's treated differently than MS, but... Uh, this patient was very knowledgeable about her condition and she said often they get misdiagnosed as MS and the treatment for MS actually sometimes makes them worse and so it's a it's a diagnosis it's difficult to diagnose and what it is is it's a rare autoimmune disorder of the central nervous system where antibodies can damage the spinal cord and the optic nerves during attack so it's a, it's a, it is an autoimmune thing the cause is unknown it does get confused with MS because of how it presents, um, but it's less common, less known for sure, and its attacks can be uh, a lot more severe than MS in the in the acute phase. So, you know, the diagnosis of it is quite complicated. You usually right. end up with some of these very specialized neurologists at larger centers in big cities, finally after multiple attacks and, and problems. Mm-hmm coming up with this diagnosis. So I'm not going to get too much into it. Again, if you want to just Google it, neuromyelitis optica or NMO it's called, and you can find their website and all the information about it. Why it's important to emergency nurses, and and this patient did a fantastic job of educating me, and I love it when our patients can educate us a little bit, is that they can get quite acute attacks where they come in with spinal cord symptoms, uh, neurologic symptoms, and acute onset of blindness, and often, and, and I asked around the emergency department I was in, nobody had ever heard of it that day. Mm. And we may not serve the patients very well because we don't quite know what they're talking about. And so she actually has these cards that are made by the local health authority in the area she's in uh, that basically is this card that she can give to someone. And it basically says, uh, this is a real condition. This person's really sick. And the treatment of it is a rather high dose of steroids pretty quickly. And if they get that, it can reverse the symptoms. If they Mm. don't get that, the symptoms can become permanent. Wow. And so their blindness that was a quick thing that could be reversed can actually become permanent. Permanent blindness. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, the card that this patient had laid out these steps and actually had a bunch of phone numbers saying, if you need more information as a provider, because this isn't enough, phone us and 
we will, you know, 24 hours a day, we'll tell you what this condition is and about this patient. And so it was interesting because I kind of thought there's, there's a lot of these interesting conditions that right. we kind of hear about, but this one actually people can come in, they may not be able to speak properly. They may not be able to see and how useless are we if we don't actually even know what they're talking about. Exactly. So I thought it kind of fits in here a bit and it's an interesting kind of side topic. Well, it is very interesting because I think most MS is never really diagnosed in an emergency department. Right. And I think you kind of have to look at different kind of weird symptoms and not just brush it off and say, maybe there is something in this and refer them to the right people. And the other thing I think which is a huge learning point is really allow your patients who are the expert at their disease to help us be able to help them better and not look at it as, gosh, I should know this. Mm -hmm. And in fact, then we're in partnership with these patients and knowing exactly where we need to move forward. And interestingly, didn't you tell me that one of the, was it Top Chef Canada or somebody who was... So MasterChef, Christine, who won the first season of MasterChef. And if you watched that, you were in tears most of the series because she was so amazing at how she could cook completely blind. And and that's why she's blind is she has neuromyelitis optica. And she's actually quite public about it online. She has a website that she blogs about um, challenges and education around this and and like it, I, I learned so much from this patient, and yeah. and to me, that's one of the um, great things about nursing. If you open yourself up to that, yeah. I could actually learn something at work today, exactly. not from a physician or a specialist or a, the internet. Yeah. I could actually learn it from my patient. I took that and took I took pictures of her little card and everything, and yeah. I thought that's kind of neat. And I. Anyway, a lot of you probably think, what are you talking about? (laughs) But I just thought it was interesting, and I love learning from patients every day. Exactly. So, at the end... I guess um, that's all. I think so. So, remember that MS is Canada's disease. We need to kind of keep it in the top of our head, look out for new treatments, look out at why this is happening in our country, and be really, if if this is our disease, then we need to be part of trying to cure it and treat it. So... We'll hope to talk to you next month. Goodbye. Goodbye. For past episodes and to comment on this episode, please visit our website at nursem.org. That's N-U-R-S-E-M dot O-R-G. You can follow us on Twitter at NursemCast and also find us on Facebook at Nursem Podcast. We look forward to your comments and suggestions for future episodes. Remember, before incorporating anything new into your work, ensure you are supported by your own scope of practice, workplace policies, and your own knowledge and comfort. The Nursum Podcast is brought to you by PRN Education. www.prneducation.ca